Greetings and welcome to Surf's Up, a Beach Boys podcast safari. I'm Mark Dillon, author of 50 Sides of the Beach Boys, and I'm here today with my partner, Phil Migliorati, who runs the Pray for Surf blog. Hello, Phil. Hello, Mark. Great to talk with you again on our favorite subject, the Beach Boys. And we have a very special guest with us today, Mark Critch. As many of you already know, since 2003, Mark, a native of St. John's, Newfoundland, has been a host and writer on the CBC satirical news show, This Hour Has 22 Minutes. The show is an institution here in Canada, now airing in its 27th season. On the show, he has interviewed and skewed top political leaders and does what is perhaps the best of all Donald Trump impersonations. He has also appeared on stage in movies, and he's won Gemini, Canadian Comedy, and Writers Guild of Canada Awards. In 2018, he released the book Son of a Critch, a Childish Newfoundland Memoir, which was a national bestseller and shortlisted for several literary awards. But what you might not know about Mark is that he's also an uber Beach Boys fan, so we are thrilled to have him here today to talk about the boys. Welcome, Mark Critch. Oh, thanks so much for that (laughs) kind introduction. How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. I'm very excited because I don't get that much of an opportunity to uh, talk and nerd out about the Beach Boys. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. Um, you're calling from uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia today. What are you currently working on? Is this hour is 22 minutes in production now? Yeah, we're uh, halfway through season 27. So we've just started up after our uh, you know, Christmas break. And we have eight more episodes to do uh, this season, and then we're back again in September. So uh, about halfway there, and uh, really digging it. It's uh, going well, and it's amazing. You know, after 27 years, it's still chugging along. But uh, when you're a fan of the Beach Boys, you learn a couple things about longevity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've hey, been there half, half as long as they have. Yeah. Mark, interrupt and ask Mark. Uh, for someone who lives south of the border, uh, what does uh, this hour is 22 minutes long? What, what are you guys getting at there? What's the motif? Well, for us, it's a sketch uh, comedy uh, show and news desk portion show. So it's a bit of a mix between uh, The Daily Show and Saturday Night Live. So we'll have a news desk and we do, uh, you know, very much like The Daily Show or a Stephen Colbert show, something like that. But we also do a lot of SNL style sketches. And uh, we also do a weird thing where what we're kind of famous for is kind of ambushes of politicians. Like they'll be at a uh, giving a, a scrum or something, and we'll walk up with our camera and kind of like you know, ask them some silly questions or do a little monologue uh, spoofing them. And, you know, we, every living prime minister has been on our show. Um, we've had uh, presidential candidates. We've had all kinds of folks. And uh, it's amazing. Like, it's a thing now in Canada where politicians kind of expect to be gooned on our show. They used to run away or get security kick us out. And now they're like, oh, well, I guess it's my turn. Here we go. Which makes uh, absolutely no sense. It's a very Canadian thing, you know? Very cool. Uh, and before we start talking about the Beach Boys, I just want to say how much I love your memoir, uh, which I would recommend to anybody who wants to learn about the particularities of Newfoundland, growing up, or just brilliantly funny writing. Uh, run out and buy that book, everybody. I'm telling you. Oh, thanks. It's very kind of you. <laughs> and, and you know what I especially like about your book is that there's a Beach Boys reference on the first page of Chapter 1. You note that the beaches in Newfoundland are nothing like the ones the Beach Boys sang about, so I'm wondering if that's how you became a Beach Boys fan. You wanted to hear songs about better beaches. <laughs> no. Uh, the beach, the ocean, our ocean will kill you. It's the ocean that... Uh, <laughs> 
whales wash up on the beaches. It's where uh, blue whales go to die. It's where the Titanic sunk. It's not at all like <laughs> beach of the Beach Boys. But what first got me going on the Beach Boys was uh, my brother's eight years older than me, and he had this cool record collection, and I would always try and go through it. And Beach Boys Endless Summer, the, the cover kind of spoke to me when I was pretty young. And, you know, it's that, you know, these, who are these grizzled, are they hippies or are they, you know, guys who've seen a lot of action in the war? It's just a very strange <laughs> image. They look very haggard and scary. And then you put it on and it's these young voices. You know, if you're coming at this with no, no prior knowledge, it's very young voices that don't match the faces. And it's really, it's really got into harmony there. And I, I, I really loved the, the blending of the voices and the music and everything was great. And I was a Beatles fan and, you know, different bands like Stones and Chuck Berry and all this kind of stuff. And I could hear some of those influences in there. But it was just this, this – and I wore that record out. I had a crappy little portable record player in my room. And I remember my dad coming in one day and saying, will you just give it a rest with that record? Like, just play something else. And I wore it out. And I'm 45. So this would be in the, you know, in the 80s. And I remember, like, being uh, in, a, in a mall running with my mom and running into one of her friends who had a kid around my age. And uh, the uh, the mother asked, uh, you know, oh, do you like music? My son's really getting into music. And I was like, yes, yeah. And, 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 and he, says, he says, what kind of music do you like? My mom asked the kid. And he said, Michael Jackson. And my mom and his mom, he asked, you know, what kind of music do you like? And my mom said, the Beach Boys. And I was like, and the look on their confused faces was like, well, what? What, what, what are you talking about? It's very strange. So uh, from there, I, you know, we're a small town, St. John's. And back then, there wasn't that many options for music. So I would go on the hunt for things. And my first real understanding of the Beach Boys came from these capital cassettes. They were cheap cassettes that were compilations, not the famous compilations, but it would just be a random picture of the Beach Boys on there and a random playlist of, uh, of songs. So you might have fun, 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 but then you might have something uh, from, you know, like from Pet Sounds or something on there. And I remember one had uh, uh, the, the instrumental from Pet Sounds on there, and that made no sense to me. So I was learning about the Beach Boys kind of in this bizarre, out-of-sequence sequence way. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, these guys are the same guys who did this, who did, well, what's going on? And then I, I would try and find out through back issues of magazines, because there was no Wikipedia page you could pull up. And I remember getting to a point where there's some back issue of a magazine I pick up, and I'm like, wait a minute, Brian Wilson had a breakdown? What the hell is this? And, and then talking about the Brian is back thing, or love you, or what have you. And so I was getting all these, it was like solving a mystery for me because I was trying to find the music and also then trying to find the articles to tell me the story, but it was all out of sequence. So it was, the Beach Boys was kind of like a musical mystery hunt for me. I guess, uh, yeah, for a lot of people, you know, and, and Phil outdates us on this, but I mean, it was endless summer and, uh, yeah. but then something had to prompt you to dig a little bit deeper. I mean, I, I've got five years on you. So for me, I became a fan. I became aware of it, you know, during that sort of mid seventies resurgence and, and the Brian is back era. And I would see Brian Wilson, you know, being interviewed on the today show or whatever, and found him very weird, but, uh, you know, you need, you need something to prompt you to, to dig a little bit deeper and, 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 
for me, that came when I started reading books that mentioned things like wild honey and sunflower. I just had no idea yeah. about those. You get on the hunt. And then I was very lucky when I was in the sixth grade um, in May, the Beach Boys came to St. John's and, and they were promoting their new record. And for me, that was kind of a turning point because <clears throat> I've been searching out all this old stuff trying to figure out and then they were here plus there was a new record this was the first new record in my lifetime that i really was aware of and i heard i remember hearing get you back on the radio and they're saying we're going to play the new beach boys song and i was like oh my god this is happening to me because i'm living in the past i'm like okay this is current and here get you back and it kind of sounded good and i like that one and then you know i begged my parents for tickets to the beach boys and my brother didn't want to go really because he was a bit older and he didn't want to go to a concert with me but he brought me down there, and we had this freak snowstorm in uh, in May. And I remember walking down to the stadium in these big snowbanks, going to hear you know surf music. And we get down there, and it was everybody but Brian, and of course Dennis. And um, I was, and Carl was in this white suit, and it was not well attended. It was a small crowd, so I was way up front, and I was just, it, uh, I was just in awe, and they sounded great. And the first time I ever saw, you know, Jeffrey Foskett, and he was there singing some of these high parts. And I was, who is he? And uh, at the end of the concert, I, I was just blown away. And then uh, Carl threw out a, a guitar pick, and I put up my hand and closed my eyes <laughs> and grabbed it, and I caught it. And, uh, and, and I, and, yeah, and I was, and that was the end of it for me. You know, I was like, I was like, okay. I am a Beach Boys fan. This is pretty cool. So I'm glad I got to experience the guys like in with with that new record and stuff. But kind of, you know, one of the last, you know, few times you'd be able to get that. So I, I was very lucky. It's well, great that Carl really had that rapport. I mean, I remember I saw them not for the first time, but a little bit later in 1988 uh, at Kingswood at Canada's Wonderland here in Toronto. And uh, one of the surprising things on the set list is they did a little medley of cotton fields in this whole world. And uh, a buddy of mine and I who knew these songs were like, you know, screaming loudly when, when we heard this happening. And, and Carl gave us, you know, a little wink and a little uh, like firing a oh, gun cool. with his finger at us, you know, and I mean, you just remember moments like that. Oh, that's just incredible. Yeah. And then afterwards, then Made in the USA, right after that compilation came out. And there was a lot more, you know, and that's when I first heard some of the Smile stuff. I think maybe Heroes and Villains was on there. Like, I didn't even have, you know, uh, Smiley Smile at that point in my collection. But I did have Beach Boys Love You for some reason. And when you're going from, you know, Endless Summer to Beach Boys Love You, <laughs> trying to comprehend that this is the same band. And then the worst thing, all the images of them would get so bad. <laughs> like, you know, like the, the, the insert picture, the one small one of them uh, on the back. If you don't know anything linking these two events, you're like, what the heck happened to them? Well, hey, <laughs> they got a bit older, but I'm, you know, so I was all over the place. But the Beach Boys Love You, I, I, I really felt let down by that when I put that on the first time. Now I love it. Me too. But I remember forcing myself to love Love You. I would just listen to it over and over again. I go, Johnny Carson, why are you singing the song about Johnny? <laughs> but but then with time, I I, I I fell in love with that. But the Beach Beach Boys Made in USA, um, I played the heck out of that one, and and uh, uh, and, and 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 that's when you know around that age, that's when I said, okay, I need to get everything, and then I would hunt it down. But if back in those days, if it wasn't at this one record store here, Fred's Records, 
it didn't exist, right? You weren't getting it. And I don't know if they were, all these albums may, might not have been uh, in, in new pressings at the time, uh, but it was, it was really hard to track stuff down. Phil, put us to shame. Tell us when you first saw the Beach Boys. Yeah, it was uh, sometime after the First World War, one of their <laughs> first concerts. Uh, yeah, 63, I think. Um, wow. Yeah, in Chicago. And um, back then, I mean, I didn't know it back then, but, you know, I think they were probably still touring in that uh, station wagon and lugging their own speakers up and plugging them in. I mean, it was a sparse stage. Uh, and it, I don't know if Chicago was different because, you know, the, the uh, Tammy concert and all that kind of stuff that you, you, you uh, see a lot of screaming. There, there really was no screaming. In fact, uh, what was some uh, guys I hung around with from church and took a photo of one of the guys just staring, looking ahead, not singing, not standing, nothing, just staring. But he was a music guy and I think he was trying to dissect their music and all that kind of stuff. But we had a great time, but very different experience back then. Oh, I can't imagine. You know, another thing that really got me into it at that time, too, was all around the same time that uh, 85, the Beach Boys uh, record came out, and then the tour happened, and I got to see him live. But also that book by Stephen Gaines, the uh, much uh, vilified Heroes and Villains, that book <laughs> came out. Yeah. And I got that. I bought that out of my allowance money. And uh, I don't know, I was in grade six or something. And I start reading this, and the stories in that, it's like that's when I got the full story. Now, a lot of the, the music reference in there and whole albums I had never heard. But that, it's, the thing about that book is it starts off with, you know, Dennis diving the day he drowns. And that image really stuck with me, too. You know, that I, then I, the more I learned then, then, it was a deeper, deeper story uh, for me. And, and I, 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 a lot of things started to make sense. Uh, for me and 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 that book as you know as horrible as it is that really poured another layer of cement over me to make you know for my foundation as a as a huge Beach Boys fan I guess there's just something fascinating about the fact that they have this squeaky clean image at least from the 1960s era and uh, you know they're uh, as human as anybody else if not more so Oh my God! I mean, you know the the but the, these these stories. I mean, there's even elements of Dennis Wilson in and the whole Manson thing in that new Quentin Tarantino movie. I mean, the Brad Pitt character has shades of Dennis Wilson in there. If, if you ever see that film, yes. And you know these stories really live on. And uh, I was surprised to see Mike Love kind of telling some Manson stories actually when he was promoting his new book. Right. Um, he was talking about walking into uh, Dennis's house and Charles Manson was sending girls into the shower and all this stuff and Manson threatened to kill him and all this stuff. Uh, and uh, I was shocked that, you know, wow, it's been long enough now that Mike Love is embracing Dennis Wilson stories. Wow. It has been right. a lot of water under the bridge here. Yeah. You know, uh, I had a great moment speaking to Mike Love. One of the times I interviewed him over the phone and uh, we spoke about Dennis, and uh, I, I just pointed out that a lot of people don't realize that him and Dennis collaborated quite well together. I mean, they produced together a few great songs, like Pacific Ocean Blues, for example, or yeah. Only With You. And and he talked to me about it. He said, you know, yes, there was a lot of tension between me and Dennis, but there was also a lot of fundamental respect for each other's talents. Oh, there must have been. But I mean, the element in that group, 
that was great and also really hurt them in some ways as well, I guess, is family. And when you're a band or I know like from being in a, in comedy troops and stuff, like, you know, you get this bond of family when you're artists working together, but they also have that bond of actually being a family, which sometimes is, uh, I mean, you, you fight with your family, like you fight with no one else. You know, and so you're there's these band tensions, but also these family tensions where these things build up over the years and these rifts happen and, and things can get violent and what have you, especially when all the, you know, the mental health and drug problems and issues in that band. So I can't imagine the blow ups that must have happened, especially uh, uh, towards the end, you know, with uh, with Dennis. And uh, I, I got uh, my brother years before the YouTube really blew up. Uh, my brother uh, gave me a box of as a bootleg of of, of videos of, of DVDs of TV appearances of the Beach Boys. So right. uh, it was all the different shows, you know, supporting the Bryans' back uh, campaign and all the different Good Morning America appearances. And that was the first time I'd seen all that stuff, you know, footage of the band when it was at its shakiest personally. And, uh, it, you know, some of the stuff is just so, so sad. But the, the story at the end is a story of triumph, you know, getting through all this. And I got to see Brian Wilson perform his Smile album. That's something I never get to, thought I'd get to see when I was a kid, you know. So they uh, uh, families uh, have a way of surviving. It's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to ask you what, what your most memorable Beach Boys or Beach Boys solo concert was. Oh, whoa, man. I, well, of course, I'd seen the Beach Boys. But when I was in my 20s, late 20s, I, I don't know when it was, yeah, uh, I, the Smile Tour was coming to Montreal. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend some money. I'm going to go to Montreal and see the Smile Tour. And sitting there, you know, knowing this was about to happen. And then he walked out. I got to see him for the first time. And I got really emotional, you know. It was all these being so invested, not only in the music, but also in the story of this band. Um and the story of this one man in particular and what he'd been through, seeing, sitting down there. And it was, you know, first time the Smile album had been played in Canada and just really hardcore fans in the first couple of rows with me at Plaza des Arts, this beautiful theater. And it was just fantastic seeing that incredible backing band he had and Darien and all this stuff happening. It was incredibly overwhelming. And, uh, and, you know, just getting lost in that record. So that record's pretty special to me for that reason, you know, because it's something I never thought I'd see. And then I got to see the 50th um, reunion tour in Montreal. Again, myself and my brother went to that. And we were able to get backstage, and it was Brian's birthday. And I oh, got wow. to meet Brian and Mike and everybody briefly. And that was a moment of, you know, they always say never meet your heroes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like, it was amazing. But it was also like, you know, you, you know, it's not going to be this you know, in your mind. What would you say? What am I going to say? What I'm going to tell. And it's like, no, nobody wants to hear that. They hear that all the time. Just say hello. But we're back there. And they were actually kind of engaging. And, and I was trying not to talk because I thought, oh, this, it'll just go bad if you, you try and, you know, be a fan. <laughs> And so Mike is there looking at us, and he's like, so what's your deal? And I said, oh, well, you know, we're brothers. And he goes, ooh, you guys are brothers? That's a – and he does – you know his 
finger wiggle thing he does. He kind of points <laughs> at us with his hands and wiggles his fingers. He goes, your brothers, that's a good vibration. Oh, man. And, and I thought, oh, man, this is – that's as Mike Love a sentence as you're you know, going to get. And I was like, oh, that was really cool. And then I'm standing, and I turn, I look, and Brian is sitting there. And uh, I'm like – he's like – and he looks up and goes, hey. And I was like, oh. Uh, and then, like, I, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I can't, what the hell am I going to say? This is, this, oh, oh God, what am I going to do? I, and I, a voice inside me says, look, when you were a little kid, playing out that record to the point where you drove your parents mad and you wore out the grooves, you, if you had a chance to tell him anything, you'd want to tell him how much his music meant. Tell him. You'll never get this chance again. I said, Mr. Wilson, I come from a very small place. It's an island called uh, Newfoundland and uh, on the East Coast. And, you know, your music... Uh, it, it's a very cold place. It's the exact opposite of California. But your music uh, taught me everything I, I know about music. It, it started me on a musical journey. It started me enjoying production and harmony and, and finding, you know, this, this peace in music. And I just want to thank you for that. And he looks at me and he says, it, today is my birthday. It is my birthday today. I'm going to have cake. <laughs> I was like, okay. Mike, I think we're done here. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I'm not having any magic moments. I'm just going to move. You know, hi, Al. Got to go. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, though. It's, uh, but that concert was fantastic. And we did the sound check at that thing. So you could, um, they sat around the, the piano for a minute, and they just did like a little acapella thing in the right. sound check. And, and that, for me, is my favorite Beach Boys moment because it was just them and their voices and Brian was actually singing in that moment, like he was in a good mood or whatever. And it was just incredible to see that. And if I never saw anything again, like that would be more than enough. Yeah, they, that tour, they did that right. You know, I mean, you could say they did a lot of things wrong over the years, but uh, I think they really put that together in a great way. My God, it was incredible. Absolutely fantastic. Phil, you, you must have seen the tour as well. Where did you see it? Uh, Chicago, where I, you know, lived uh, most of my life and uh, was able to get backstage for the kinds of things that Mark's talking about here. Uh, had an opportunity to um, talk with Alan Jardine for a while. That was kind of cool. He and I had met back in the mid-60s, maybe 65, just after helping Rhonda. And so, you know, how could I identify, Mark, with what you're saying. You don't want to sound like a 16 year old fan saying stupid things. So, you, you know, I sounded maybe at that age, like a 68 year old fan saying stupid things, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I reminded him of that and just said, thank you for taking time. Uh, we had a breakfast and a dinner together and, you know, it, it was just a cool time. And, uh, I was really grateful for it. What, uh, what's interesting listening to you, Mark is, Hearing someone who has, I'll uh, call it, discovered the Beach Boys, I don't want to say backwards, but you had to go back, you had to search. It, it wasn't linear, even linear back. You know, you can no. trace that. But but it was like, okay, I got to, you know, end of summer here, I got to love you there. And it's, it's, it's what came totally, um, not chaotic, but just not in any linear order. Uh, for me, everything is linear. Um, you know, growing up with them. And you talked about hearing uh, 
the new Beach Boys song, Get You Back on the radio. I mean, it's like it took me back to, I don't know, maybe a dozen or more experiences like that, hearing the DJ say new Beach Boys song coming on. Um, So it's just a totally different experience. And I I really appreciate how you're kind of uh, letting us in on yours. Very different. And yet, and I'll stop here, uh, Mark Dillon, but uh, yet what's interesting is I think we all end up at the same place. I don't mean the people who just like the greatest hits, but people who have, I don't know, it's almost, uh, you know, compelled. The Beach Boys do love us uh, at the risk of sounding totally uh, sentimental or syrupy here. They do love us. And at least for me, and I think I heard heard this from both of you, it's like it elicits uh, a, a love. I love your music and the experiences and reading all this stuff, but but like we do get emotional because we feel like there's a personal connection and we really care about that. Anyway, I'll stop preaching, but um, that's what you no, made me think. And you know what? It does become a personal connection. I, I know like I, I first time, second time, no, 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 the second time I was ever in uh, California, um, we were there doing a shoot for 22 minutes with my, my camera guy, my uh, Pete and my producer, Corey. And we were there and they're like, Oh, well, we got, you know, we've got a, a few hours. Is there anything anybody wants to do? And I was like, ah, oh, there's two places I really want to go, but you guys aren't going to want to go. And they're like, well, well what is this? A restaurant? I'm like, ah, kind of, there's this bar called Shea J's where uh, Dennis Wilson used to hang out in the last kind of few years of his life. And, uh, uh, and, and I don't even, I'm not really, really even sure if it's still open. And then I'd like to go to where he died at Basin C 1100 in this, uh, uh, at this pier. And it's like, what are you talking about? I was like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. So we're like, all right, hop in. We're going to drive. And so we go all the way. And wow. we get there. So we go to this little bar, Shea J's, which I'd heard that, you know, Dennis would drink and he had mentioned in a few of the places and the guy who owned it was still a friend of his. I just went in there and nothing has changed in that place. And there's all just regulars. And it's uh, kind of a, a little portal in the past. And, you know, there's a little something in the corner, maybe like there's a poster from a couple of years ago still on the wall by the bathroom of a, of a Dennis Wilson tribute night or something they had there. And it's just people having a bite to eat and kind of a place where people look like maybe people went who didn't want to be found or something, you know, it was like you go in there and it was like these salty regulars and sat there and had a couple of drinks and just, you know, kind of sucked that in for a bit and uh, went to take a picture. And the uh, owner guy uh, said, uh, hey, can't take a picture. And the people in there don't want to be photographed. And I said, oh, sorry, I'm not a Beach Boys fan, but this guy, Dennis Wilson, he's like, yeah, I knew Dennis. Take one picture. So I said, go on. And and then went over there and trying to find this slip, you know, and then finally found it. And this is a place, like when I was in grade six, like reading that first story about him diving off the boat, trying to find something from the boat, diving off into the slip where his boat used to be and him losing this boat that meant the world to him. And at this low point, yeah. And just diving down and coming up with stuff. And just that's one place I'd always wanted to kind of just ah, pay my respect. Okay, I can go now. And uh, and, and that, that was, but it's like, it's almost like a pilgrimage. You know what I mean? It's like, I realize I'm doing this. And I'm like, well, this is what, you know, I'm Catholic. And this is what people do when they go to the Vatican. What am I doing here? <laughs> but it, 
but it's like these are these mythical places that are part of that music. Um, also went out to the Hawthorne uh, Monument there, uh, where their house used to be and stuff. And that was kind of kind of neat to go. Okay, so this is where that all went down and Murray Wilson and all that stuff. Okay, cool. And I don't know if it gets you, but I kind of these are little places I just needed to touch to go like, oh, this is these are my legends and this is something that. Uh, this is, you know, this is, these are places in the book of my, you know, musical journey. So, so that was, that was kind of cool. You sent me a photo uh, of Shay J when you were in there. I don't know if you recall that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's the photo <laughs> I was allowed to take. And, and by the way, uh, that bar slash restaurant is uh, referenced by Lana Del Rey uh, on the song The Greatest on her latest album, Norman Effing Rockwell, which is making many best of the year lists. And there's a very cool video for it. People who haven't seen it should check it out. Um, I don't know if it was filmed in Shay J, but it's a place that looks like that. And uh, if if you look very closely at the end of the video, she's uh, looking at a jukebox. And one of the songs on the jukebox is Pacific Ocean Blues by Dennis Wilson. Oh, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I mean, that was another one, you know, that took me a long time to find too, was Pacific Ocean Blues, because that Beach Boys fandom has really picked up, picked up, you know, like they, 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 before, like even when the people are talking about pet sounds, I remember kind of 80s, people would kind of go like, yeah, yeah, pet sounds, they're, they're great. And, but they were never, it didn't seem to be revered as much as they are now. You guys might uh, be able to speak to this better. But to me, it seemed like when I'd read something about them, there was always a little bit of a joke in there. Or, yeah. uh, you know, did you, do you feel that way? Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. I'd like to say, I mean, I was looking for stuff in the 80s, too, and you couldn't find anything. Now, I interviewed Jim Gersio for my book, and so they were on the Caribou label at that time. And he said there was a whole political thing going on with him and um, was it maybe CBS Records, one of the big labels. And as a result, you know, the whole catalog was made unavailable. So Pet Sounds was such a legendary record. I could not find it anywhere. I couldn't find Pacific Ocean Blue for years and years. Like it, it, it was very frustrating. And I think the turning point, it really was when uh, Brian Wilson came out with a solo album because he yeah. had been out of the scene for so many years. And then he comes back with a solo album that gets great reviews. And then all of a sudden people are taking him seriously again. They're looking back. And then the CD era came right after that and their stuff was re-released. And, uh, yeah, those twofers, yeah. Yeah, I think their reputation uh, has never looked back. Yeah. And I've been so glad. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting, but for me as a kid, piecemealing these records together out of order, finding like a an old music magazine that had a during the whole Landy thing while it was happening and, and figuring all this out. You feel like, I felt like I had my own little Indiana Jones search for these little <laughs> treasures. And now I see, you know, new fans come in. It's like, oh, I'm just going to find everything, every record, every outtake, all of Smile, everything and every is all there. And I'm like, oh my God, Smile? Do you know how many years I had to wait to find the hair Smile, even on a bootleg? And uh, but now it's all there, you know, so it's uh, I'm kind of happy for me that I had to fight my way through it and find it because it did make me appreciate it more. And, and, it, and I think I treasured the music I found more as opposed to some newer fans getting into it might, you know, just 
kind of listen to everything, get overwhelmed, I was able to kind of really digest a lot of it. Uh, so I'm pretty grateful for that. That's true. Younger fans don't realize how long the wait was. And Phil, of course, you waited much longer than we did. And you even had uh, Bruce Johnston playing Heroes and Villains to you on the phone back in what, 66, 67? No way! Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know how I did it. I was in my, my parent. I'm an only child. I went. My parents and I dr- drove every summer to uh, visit relatives in California. Somehow I got on a bus and got to LA, and somehow I found their offices. And I was outside out uh, in front of their office on a payphone. And somehow I'm calling Bruce Johnston. I think he was still living at home with his mother. I don't think his father was around or alive. I don't know the details. But long story short. Um, she answers and I says, is Bruce Johnston there? And so he's on the phone and he actually talked to me for a while. Hey, we got a new, uh, you might've said a new single or a new record coming out. Would you like to hear it? And of course the answer is yes. And he played me a long version. It may not have been the seven minute bit of version, but you know, I had an acetate there. And of course, uh, afterwards, how'd you like it? You know, of course I thought it was great, but, um, it was just That's sur- the coolest story I've ever heard. <laughs> that oh my God, that's great. The Mike and Bruce show uh, version of the Beach Boys, they played uh, St. John's a couple of years ago. And I, I was like, okay, I got to go again. I brought my two sons and, uh, and I'm like, okay. And they're like, oh, the Beach Boys. Like, like, like they appreciate it, but they're also like, oh, dad, okay, I get it. The Beach Boys. I'm like, come on, go. And they love the show. But the day of the show, my best friend in the world, Tristy Clark, uh, he, he was going to pick me up. We were going to run an errand and grab a bite of lunch. And I was leaving. I thought, I know a hotel they're at. They're at the Hotel Newfoundland. And I had just gotten a really nice copy of Go Public, the Bruce Johnson solo record. Right. And Mike loves, looking back with love, his solo record. <laughs> and I thought, I would love to get these two signed. For, you know, like, I don't want to be wow. a total nerd. But, oh, my God, this would be hilarious. So, anyway... So I, I say to Tristy, I was like, look, I've got to take these. Just drive by the hotel. If they happen to be loading in or out, I'll go over, but I won't. And he's like, okay, whatever. You know, shakes his head at me. He knows I have a problem. And we're <laughs> driving up, and we go by, and who's getting out of a car with his Hawaiian shirt in his dry cleaning <laughs> bag? Bruce freaking Johnson. So I was like, oh, good. I said, stop the car, stop the car. So we stop. I, I pop out of the side. Like, he's like, what the hell's going on? I go, ah, Mr. Johnson, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I just had to ask you to sign this. I'm so sorry. He goes, that? And he goes, <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. I'm like, really? And he goes, this is a nice copy of this. Oh, where'd you get this? And I'd just gotten it on eBay, but I didn't want to tell him. I'm like, oh, that's my copy. And he's like, really? And he goes, huh. And he starts looking at it, and he goes, well, you know, this guy, mentioning someone who's played on, he tells me some story about this guy. He goes, this was interesting. This song I kind of like, and, you know, this one was a great, of course, you know, this. And he just starts talking about the album with me <laughs> and, and had a really nice conversation for about, like, 12 minutes just talking about this record. He couldn't have been nicer. Wow. And uh, and I really cherish that. And I got in the car and... I just felt like someone who was falling off the wagon or something. I'll just apologize to the Tristy. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just jumped on a man in his parking lot with a record. That's, that's very nerdy, I know. But I was uh, uh, so grateful. And I got my Mike Love looking back with Love Sign, too, at the concert. 
uh, and that was also a surprise face. I don't think those come up with the fans too often, <laughs> right. but uh, I had to have it. They knew you were hardcore. Oh yeah, that, that's your stance. That's your, uh, your 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 stripes. If you're if you're getting one of those records uh, signed, then you know uh, you've put in your time uh, in in the uh, in the back of record stores. I wanted to uh, go back to the 50th anniversary tour for a sec. So uh, there you were backstage meeting the guys. And I, I think it was pretty soon after that, maybe, that you did a skit on This Hour Has 22 Minutes in which you play Brian essentially getting fired from the Beach Boys after the tour. That's right, yeah. I You know, because being – I do a lot of, like, musical parody things on the show. Like, I play all kinds of different people. But, I, you know, it's hard to – because the producers of the show is like, okay, it has to be kind of relevant for us to do a sketch because it's topical. So it's, it's always very hard to get a Beach Boys. I got to do a, a Kokomo parody uh, a couple of years ago. That's on YouTube, I think. If you look up Kokomo 22 Minutes Esther, I don't think the Brian Wilson won it. But it was, uh, yeah, he was going to put out his own, uh, do his own tour. He got kicked out, but he was working on new music. But it was all kind of like uh, it's a surfing tunes. It was all about the getting older, you know, right. like uh, – I my walking tub. It's all about that kind of stuff, you know? And anyway, so yeah, I got to play him at a little piano in front of our audience for a sketch that made it to air in my Brian Wilson voice and my, uh, and a wig and stuff. So it was, I got to play Brian Wilson on TV. So I'm like, it's just, you know, me and John Cusack and a couple of people who've done it. But uh, I, I was going to say, maybe they should have gotten you for love and mercy. You, you could have auditioned against Cusack. <laughs> I could. Well, that's the other thing too. Love and mercy. Like who, back in the eighties, like who would have, would you ever have believed that there would have been a Beach Boys movie? You know, I mean, we had that. A you serious, know, yeah. just a movie, but a serious one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been uh, an embarrassment of riches here for us uh, in the, these uh, these later years. It's incredible. It's uh, true. I mean, there was uh, there was a lot of a uh, lot of pain in being a Beach Boys fan. It was kind of a desert for a while, but uh, if you stuck it out, you were rewarded in the end. Uh, Mark oh, Chris, absolutely. Uh, Mark Dillon and I did a podcast on what what we called the, uh, the the Beach Boys humor album, and there is none, and they've never. Well, Brian thought Smile might be a humor album when he first named it, but. Uh, you're into comedy, obviously, at a, a, a very professional and high craft level. Um, any, any, we didn't prepare you on this, so you may just come up with nothing, but any thoughts about the, the attempts at humor that the Beach Boys did, you know, especially in their early albums, you know, Cassius Love versus Sonny Wilson? Um, oh, that, that stuff. And even I'm bummed at my old man. I, I love when they do that old, yeah. when they're older. I want the TV shows, and Brian's got this wonderful sense of humor. Like I, um, I love the story he tells about uh, being in the studio and uh, uh, Elvis is down the way, and I, I, I asked him to come in to hear the tune. And I, I go to credit shop, and he, he just credit shop. He's I'm leaving, man. Like he's, I like when he gets excited about a story like that. It's very, very funny and great. Yeah. And um, the uh, little things are not really, it's not really humor. A lot of almost performance art pieces, like the Radiant Radish Restaurant, where Brian just opens this this uh, store, this this vegetarian store for a while, and he's wandering around there in his bathrobe, and he's just <laughs> being Brian, you know, like like that's kind of bizarre, hilarious, cool stuff that they they do, like little moments like that. There's a lot of humor 
in their story. But musically, yeah, there are uh, neat little bits and, and neat little snippets too of uh, uh, like little outtakes in the studio and things like that. I think Brian uh, Brian was very silly, but I think I think his sense of humor is quite joyous. You know, like uh, there's a lot of joy in their humor, like there is in their music. I think. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't really know about Mike that much. Well, my favorite things that is kind of funny watch is it's on youtube and it's the uh lifestyles of the rich and famous starring mike love oh god and they, they show his house and mike is at peak mike love in that you know <laughs> there's there's a lot of gold and a lot of bragging about things he owns and kimonos and stuff and he doesn't wear a hat in it he's he's uh swimming and stuff without a hat one of the one of the very rare hatless mike love things you can ever see but uh, so there, there, there's kind of like a, a giggling at sense of humor um, that I have with the Beach Boys, a lot of different uh, aspects. But, but also, the, the, I guess the big humor moment for, for, for the Beach Boys, or one of them, was uh, Belushi and Dan Aykroyd right. in that SNL sketch. Yes. Which doesn't quite work for me. It always seems like Brian doesn't quite know what's happening, you know, uh, during that. And it looked kind of scary for him uh, at times, but he was doing his best to play along. So that one, oddly enough, the least funny Beach Boys thing I find is probably the time when they're professionally trying to be funny. But it's amazing to me, like, I, I mean, he's the genius and everything, but I, I really find it quite lovely the way Carl kind of stepped up when things up. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to try and be a Brian here now. And, you know, working on some of those tunes and stuff like he, he, he seemed to be like a great kind of soldier trying to keep things together there for uh, a good part of the 70s. And uh, uh, I and, and that voice. Oh, my God, that voice. Yeah, I saw that you, you you tweeted about Carl uh, on his birthday. recently. Yeah. 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 Well, they, he's uh, I mean, I mean, some of those vocals are just incredible and I, I i think he always no matter what he was doing like even like on some of these you know concert tapes or bootlegs or these smaller shows and stuff he always seemed to be except for that you know there's that famous story of him you know having a couple of too many budweiser's a couple of times before shows but he uh always seemed to be you know real professional and really to give his all um i mean i'm sure it wasn't easy to be singing god only knows for the ten thousandth time at some, you know, car show or something in the, in the bad days. But uh, that voice just does never gave up or faltered or, or got worse. You know, it, 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 the, it, some of the stuff that he recorded with, uh, what was the name of that group? It was a guy from America and him. Oh, uh, Lamb, Beckley, Lamb. Yeah, Wilson. Beckley Lamb. I mean, the, like a brother and a couple of the tunes on there. Uh, where ju- uh, his voice on that is as good as it ever was. Yeah, you know, yesterday was the anniversary of the Holland album, and uh, the song The Traitor is one that I took for granted for a long time, but, you know, over the years I've come to really appreciate that, and, you know, where does that come from? Where does Feel Flows come from? I still can't figure oh. out how this song Feel- was, was birthed into this world. It's unbelievable. Feel Flows is one, too, that I think a lot with newer fans and stuff uh, – because it was in uh, that almost famous movie and stuff, really had a much bigger life in the last, you know, 15, 20 years than it probably did at the time. Um, 
people love that. And uh, Long Promise Roads, yeah. all those kind of tunes from that time that kind of, like, uh, you know, you, if you look at, like, Sail on Sailor is one of those ones I really like. And I got to see on this one of these last tours, Brian's the uh, Blondie for the first time live. Right. Though he was, he and his brother were fascinating characters to me at the time. You know, hearing about these two guys, like, who are, who are these guys? But man, when he comes out on that stage, you know, and Alan Brian are doing their thing. But whenever he, I don't know if you've seen him play yes. with uh, Brian, boy, it's like a whole other uh, level of showmanship. You know, he re- what a player. I can't imagine what he was have been like back in uh, in in you know in, in younger years when when they were rocking out together. That must have been one hell of a show. Well, I mean, he uh, he hung around the Rolling Stones for 10 years, played with the Stones yeah. on tour, very close buddies with Keith Richards. And he brings a lot of that same vibe. And, and to have that vibe at a Beach Boys concert is is fantastic and, and, and sorely needed, I would say. Oh, it's a total different kind of a uh, of a swagger, you know, that he, he brings that the other guys don't really have that. It was never that energy was never really there, except for Dennis, I would imagine. Um, but, uh, well, Mike, of course, Mike being the great showman, but the other guys, where well, it's just Brian and Al there. And then he comes out, it's like, it's like, whoa, who's this guy? This guy is like, it's like when, uh, when some kids are having a little party in high school and then one of the older, more dangerous kids just shows up and comes in with beer. Like, that's what it feels <laughs> like to me when he walks up and he's like, oh, I don't know if he should be here. Uh, something bad might happen. There's going to be trouble. We should call our parents. Yeah. Just fantastic. <laughs> First, the first time I saw uh, Blondie with Brian, it was like he he let him come out and do a couple of songs, and then got rid of him. Maybe for that that reason you just mentioned, Mark. But the the last time I saw it a year ago, this past Christmas, at Brian Wilson Christmas concert, Christmas tour, uh, Blondie came out and did you know Wild Honey and his stuff. But they also were doing Christmas songs, and he did A Holy Night, and I mean he oh, took wow. me to church. It was like. Yeah to you know and not uh sit and listen to someone else kind of church the kind where you want to leap out of, out of the pew or seat or wherever um it was uh you know it was a frankly it was a high spiritual moment for me it was amazing so mark here's uh here's some questions i wanted uh to yeah fire off at you so what what are your yes, favorite sir. albums favorite albums um well you know you gotta say you know uh uh uh, pet sounds of course um i have a bit of a soft spot for for love you these days because yeah. um I, I look back at you know those times um i like i like love and mercy um that's a pretty uh, joyful album for me um, the first brian wilson album yeah yeah sorry i call it love and mercy but uh yeah brian wilson um that that first one um incredible um, yeah, that's, I think, you know, that's kind of what's, what's popping in my head now, but, you know, Holland, like a lot of, um, I mean, there's so many different tunes though, you know what I mean? And, and, and I kind of, except for, uh, I, I kind of have, haven't been listening in full album mode for a while, you know, like there's different playlists to put together with some of your favorite tunes. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I recently, um, it, it, but it, it, they all hit you. It's like just the other day, I, somebody I saw posted on Facebook, it was um, just Brian's vocal from uh, I Just Wasn't Made for These Times. And right. it's just a different way to listen to it, but it's incredible. And it just staggered me when I when I heard it. But yeah, I would, you know, I would say 
pet sounds and probably love you just from a nostalgia standpoint. And uh, you you collect stuff too, eh? Don't you have a few like shirts and things like that? Oh, I've got all kinds of you know, my favorite. Like one thing I came across a couple of years ago that I could not let pass up was uh, I got in the state. It is a gold, a platinum record for or or for um, still cruising. Yeah, with a cassette. It's a, a record and cassette because it was for that little while when they figured, why don't we put a cassette in there too? Nobody wants a cassette. <laughs> but, uh, but it was owned by Eugene Landy. It's Eugene Landy's one. Wow. And a sale, getting rid of a bunch of his stuff. And I saw this Rockaway Records uh, in the States had it. And I was like, Eugene Landy's record he didn't earn? I'll buy that. <laughs> um, so, but that was my most extravagant uh, nerd thing. How do you know that Eugene Landy really owned it? They had the whole, you know, they, they tell me it was. And it was, uh, they had the good provenance from uh, when uh, whoever his relative I was uh, just auctioned off a bunch of this stuff. And, and it came from here. This is something that didn't sell, apparently. Uh, but you never know. You never know. But I've got a bunch of, like, uh, I've got some signed Ryan stuff and, uh, you know, some signed stuff by different people. And uh, I got, uh, I've got a little... Uh, a couple of years ago on Brian's site, they sold these little busts of Brian, these gold ones. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw those. I have one of those on my desk. <laughs> um, but my, you know, my biggest, my biggest trophy, I guess, would be my guitar pick I caught from Carl. That's uh, um, that for me was kind of a magic moment, you know. So you didn't How have to you pay guys? for that. You didn't have to pay for that. Carl gave that to you. Exactly right. Well, how about you guys? Do you guys have any kind of uh, little trophies or, 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 or uh, relics <laughs> that you uh, hold on to? Phil? Oh, now I was going to turn to you. Um, well, a couple that I'm um, really grateful for. One is uh, a smile cover mm. that was uh, record stores that uh, you guys are too young to know what record stores are, but uh, <laughs> you know, we'd go to record stores to buy records um, they had a, it, it literally is the size of an album cover. It's, it's just the front slick is what I call it, the front and it's on cardboard. And I begged them for it when uh, they were done it and they get done with it and they gave it to me. And, um, someone oh, gave wow. me a place called Rockaway, um, gave me a, over the phone appraisal saying, if that's the real thing, you can get a thousand bucks for that. And I don't know if, you know, if, if that's crazy or not, but who, who cares? You know, it's just, I've got it. And then the second thing is uh, in, in the sixties, I, I don't want this to turn this into me, but we uh, called our radio station all the time. They thought there were a thousand Beast Boy fans and there were two of us. And so that, you know, they, they gave us uh, backstage passes. We met Steve Kortoff, who was kind of their manager at the time. And one of the things he did for us, besides getting us into shows, was he gave us a set of five Beach Boy t uh, concert shirts. Wow. Oh, wow. So, and we kind of had a group that we thought, you know, we're going to hit it big because we play Beach Boy stuff. Um, so we each got a shirt. And I think I may be the only one of, of this, our group, that still has it. I'm looking at it right now. It's, you know, on, on the wall. It's an Al Jardine shirt. And... Uh, I told him about that at the 20th, at the 20th, at the 50th, and he's tried to get me a couple times to uh, consider, you know, trading something for it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, my grandkids won't let me do that. So, uh, <laughs> so, so those are those are uh, my two things. 
That's amazing. I, I don't have a ton of collectibles, but I guess what, what is most uh, dear to my heart is when my book came out in 2012, um, I went to the, the 50th anniversary show in, in Toronto and uh, I got backstage and this is where I like handed each member of the band a copy of the book. And yeah. uh, I, I have, you know, my own copy that I got them to sign. And so, you know, Bruce signed it and Mike signed it and Brian signed it and David Mark signed it. But uh, Al was like busy eating chicken. His hands were like all greasy. And he's like, oh, I, I can't really do that right now. So I was like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't meant to be. But then afterwards, it uh, turned out there was like a post-show party or whatever. And somehow we insinuated our way into that. And, and lo and behold, Al came out. And it was really hot that night. And he was wearing a turtleneck. I was wondering how the heck he was like surviving in that. But uh, he, so he signed my book. And then, you know, a few years later, uh, Brian had a show at the Danforth Music Hall, and this is when Blondie was in tow. And uh, so I was out there on uh, on the Danforth, and uh, there's Blondie Chaplin. And so I just walked up to him. I said, "Hey, Blondie, it's uh, it's me, Mark Dillon. You uh, you spoke to me for my book, and I happen to have my copy here with me. Would would you please sign it?" So he, uh, he signed it as well. So I, I don't. I have everybody except for Ricky Fatar who never uh, responded to me. But uh, so now I guess my, my goal in life is to hunt Ricky Fatar down and get him to sign my book. That is incredible. So Mark, we talked about this before, you know, in my book, I have people talking about a song that, uh, that is meaningful to them for whatever reason. And uh, so I've, I've offered that up to you. Do you have a song that you would like to talk about? Surf's Up really gets me in the field, uh, especially, you know, the version from the TV special where it's just Brian in the and the piano. Because for me, it, it always seems to me like almost like a swan song for early Brian in that moment. You know, it's just him and the piano and this beautiful composition. And he's just playing it kind of effortlessly, but so in the moment. And when he's playing that, it kind of seems free of demons and pressure. And it's just a guy playing this beautiful music that he wrote. And it's, and it's, and it's for me, it's like one of the last times you kind of see him like that. And, and that, that always kind of, I can find it quite beautiful, but it kind of makes me sad too. Uh, but uh, yeah. there's that. Um, but a song that nobody else would probably ever say. And it's, it is once again, it's this nostalgia kind of time. Uh, for me, when I think back to the 85 record, I guess, Beach Boys, um, that they were promoting on that tour when I first saw them, was there's a, uh, it's Where I Belong, I believe yes. it's called. It's the Carl, Carl Wilson vocal on that. Yes. It's just incredible. And it's got that kind of like, almost like a little Moog synthesizer start to it, kind of reminded me a little bit about Love, Love You. But uh, that song uh, really, uh, I think it's a beautiful Carl vocal, and it's and it is kind of a, a it's a it's a lovely song, and it's kind of you know it's not one of the big famous ones, but for me just I remember listening to that a lot when I was a kid, and that was another one of those. It's a new song. This is a, this is in the moment. This is like for me, you know, as as a as a newer fan, and uh, that that for me is like, is one I always think of. Uh, as a Beach Boys song, when I think of Carl. I think that's a great choice. That's a really underrated track. Well, this has been a great conversation, guys. Mark, anything else you want to add about the Beach Boys? Um, you know, a word that keeps popping up 
the more we talk is joyous or joy. And uh, I think, you know, when it all comes down to it, for a group that has probably had more demons than any other band, that has had harder times and highs and lows than any other band um, that of their time, uh, you know, it's still that joyous feeling. And, uh, and as you were saying, Phil, you know, kind of a, a religious feeling, uh, spiritual feeling. And, you know, when it all comes down to it, that's, that's what that music is. It's joy. You go to a Beach Boys concert, a Brian Wilson concert, or whatever, you're going to see people smiling all ages. And that's just a great energy and a harmony to put out into the world. So we all need more joy, especially right now in the world. So we all need more Beach Boys. Oh, well, amen. And, and I just want to jump in on this. I did want to ask you uh, if you might uh, give us an idea of how Donald Trump would introduce a Beach Boy concert. I don't know if that's uh, bounds here. And yeah, certainly. okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say right now, these are tremendous guys, really good guys, some of the best guys, incredible guys. And some of their incredible songs, like surf and surfing and incredible surfing songs about surf are just tremendous and they're very good people. A couple of them said to me, a lot of the songs are about me. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> I think they are. Many of them, especially the American ones, are very much about, I don't know about this, but ladies and gentlemen here at the Trump Casino Hawthorne, which is an incredible casino, I'd like to introduce, and by the way, the best Beach Boy is Mike Love, especially his solo stuff, personal <laughs> choice. Ladies and gentlemen, the incredible Beach Boys. I think it'd be something like that. Applause for that. Oh, man. Mark, can we please have you back again sometime? Oh, anytime. This is like one of the best chats of my life. I absolutely love it. You guys know so much and your pleasure to talk to and uh, just wish all the success for this podcast. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a big hit. I can feel it. <laughs> what a treat this has been. Let's do it again. Thanks very much, Mark Critch. Phil, Mark, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Bye-bye.